All right, good morning, Three Circle Church and all of our campuses joining us online. It's great to be with you guys today as we bring to a finale. I can't believe we're here already, but the finale of the Characters of Creation series. Before I jump into the finale, I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, I want you to know we're kicking off a new series next week, one of the most unique we've ever done. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be called Hymns, the Songs of Our Faith. And we're going to be spending some time looking at some of the greatest songs ever written in kind of the history of the church and where the those songs came from and where in the word of God were they based. And I think it's just going to be awesome. We're really looking forward to that. You want to invite all your friends. It's going to be great. And then I want to remind all the guys in the room, I don't know what you're doing Friday night, but I know what you should be doing. Okay. We've got our men's event coming up. We're really excited. And we've been wanting to get pastor Kevin Myers from 12 stone church in Atlanta down here for a long time. He is just the real deal. And his story, I heard his story for the first time 20 years ago, his childhood story and how God redeemed that and how it uh, kind of ties into fatherhood. It's just amazing. And so we've wanted that for so long, and this is the year that he gets to come. And we're so excited. So if you're a man, you need to be there and bring other dudes too. Like bring your buddies, come hang out. It's going to be a great night and life-changing stuff. You're going to hear from Pastor Kevin Myers from 12 Stone Church in Atlanta. So be here. All right, characters of creation. What we decided to do is we're a Bible church. We're always walking through the word of God. And so we looked at basically the first three or four chapters of Genesis. We said, okay, what are the characters of creation that jump off the page? And we started with creation itself. We said, okay, creation itself is a character of creation. And we call that general revelation. God reveals himself to us through creation. And I hope that you will never leave behind. I hope that when we walk through things in the Bible, these things stay with you. And I hope that we as Christians will appreciate God's creation more than we ever have. And we should more than anyone else. Christians should enjoy going to the beach more than anyone because we go, my God made that. You know, when you eat the steak, you go, that cow is my God's cow sitting on that plate, you know? And uh, if you're vegetarian, the cucumbers, God made those too, okay? So yeah, man, we love, we love our God and we know that he created all these things. And so creation, and then we looked at Adam and the first human and how God made him and what God told him to do, giving him dominion, giving him a job, the care of creation. And then we saw Eve and the uniqueness of gender and the uniqueness of Eve, both Adam and Eve equally carrying the image of God, the Imago Dei. Then we looked at our spiritual enemy, Satan, the serpent, Lucifer, Revelations tells us that uh, Revelation tells us that the serpent in the garden is the dragon of Revelation, and it is Satan. And so uh, we didn't make that up. That came from God. He is real. And Peter tells us we should be sober and vigilant. Our adversary, the devil, roars about like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. We have a real enemy, but we learn that we are not to focus on our enemy or fear him. We are to be aware of him, but focus on Jesus, who is fully in charge and who gives us victory over our enemy. Amen, church? So that's where our focus is. We do not fear. And then last week you heard from uh, Pastor Jonathan Duke, our Daphne campus pastor and a wonderful part of our teaching team. And he taught on Cain and Abel. And it was incredible how he showed us what what sin looks like and what repentance looks like. And, and so much we were able to glean from the word of God. So today we're gonna, we're gonna climb Mount Everest very quickly. We're going to run up Mount Everest, okay? Because today we're going to look at the final character of creation. We're looking at God himself. They go, well, how are you going to talk about God in 30 minutes? I'm not. Can't do that. We, you just can't. 
And there's so much to talk about. This past summer, we're going to do it again. This summer, we did this theology course, and, uh, and, and we could spend like months and months and months just looking at the attributes of God revealed in Scripture. So then, what will drive the parameters of our talk today? Well, we're, we, we always want to be true to the Scriptures that we are walking through. So then, what we're going to ask today is, what, what do the first four chapters of Genesis, what do they tell us about God? Because we could go a million different directions with the whole Bible about what is revealed about God. But we're looking at the first four chapters of Genesis. So what did God start revealing to us? And we've seen it. We've walked through it. We're going to look at it today. And the first thing I want you to know at Three Circle, you need to know that we are Trinitarian. I think the thing we owe you if you come to our church is clarity. Even if you may disagree with us, we want to be clear about what we're teaching and what we're saying. We believe in the Trinity. So when we say God, we are saying Father, Son, Spirit. The Father is fully God, Jesus the Son fully God, the Holy Spirit fully God. So when we say God is in us, it's because the Holy Spirit upon our salvation has indwelled us. We have God in us. And when we say Emmanuel, God came for us, we're talking about the Son who added to his divine nature a human nature. We call that the incarnation. We have Jesus. And the Father, our heavenly Father, who is spirit, the Bible teaches as well. And so when we say God, this is what we mean. And this triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the first way he introduces himself, and remember, let's get context, because Genesis was written in a context. It was written by Moses, and it was written after the Exodus, right? It was actually given to us after those events. So when God gave us Genesis, he was reintroducing himself to his people because they've been in slavery all those hundreds of years. And there was a lot of lack of clarity about who is this God. And just like he introduced himself to Adam and Eve in the garden, he had to reintroduce himself to his people in many ways. And he did so with clarity. Subsequently, we all get the same introduction through the word of God. And I'm so thankful we have Genesis, aren't you? And Genesis is not a fable and it's not a legend and it's not a Disney episode. It's not an imaginative thing. This is history that God gave us. Jesus treated it like history. Paul treated it like history. Peter treated it like history. So therefore, we will treat it like real history. These things really happen. And the first thing God introduces himself to the world as doing is creating. The first thing we'll see today, several C's, if you will, is God creates. The first thing we see God doing when he introduces himself to us, the first thing Adam saw was God's creation. God creates he makes everything that we see, he made it. He made it ex nilo, meaning he made it out of nothing. Humans have never created anything ex nilo because we use the materials God gave us. But when we create, and we do create, we create in his image. So we're acting like our heavenly living God when we create, but we don't create just like him. Remember, we have the image of God and, and the idea there is the shadow of him. We're not equal to him. We are finite. He is infinite. But we created in his image. We do things like art and music and build things and architecture. We create medicines to flourish human beings. We, we take materials and make food out of it. We, uh, we, we take dominion over the earth the way we were commanded to because we're created in his image. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The idea of heavens and the earth is everything. He created all of it. The things you like, maybe some things you don't like. I don't get mosquitoes. I don't get it. 
One day the Lord will be like, you know what? You should have appreciated those more. Right now, not so much, but I understand. But I mean, cows, I'm all in, man. And, and so many other things. I don't know about you. I'm pretty big on mountains and, and beaches and streams and rivers. I like that. And uh, I grew up around uh, trees and catfish ponds and gentle breezes and and they're awesome. But God also created, you know, the hurricanes that, that come out of the Gulf and the tornadoes. And he's the same, that creation is God's and all that's wonder and power and glory. It's, it's all his and he creates. He also created us. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And I want you to see that, that these astounding two verses tell us a lot. Because again, we're trying to be disciplined here. We're trying to say, now what do these chapters tell us about God? He created us. Then God said, let us, we see the Trinity, let us make man in our image. Remember, we're not talking about multiple gods. This is not polytheism. It is monotheism. It is one God, three persons. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them, so now he's talking about us. Here's something we're supposed to have. We're supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the heavens, livestock, and over all the earth, all the earth. That gets it all. And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, Imago Dei. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So several things we see here. We're created in the image of God, which means all humans are, which means that impacts and drives and speaks into the way we treat one another. So this, if you want to know where racism should be eradicated, it should be in the Garden of Eden when God said humans are created in the image of God. I don't know how we missed that, but that is taken care of right there. And then it continues to tell the story through the whole Bible. But if I mistreat my brother or my sister because of the color of their skin, then it is on me. It is sinful. I am in rebellion against the God who clearly told me in Genesis, all humans are created with intrinsic dignity because they're made in the image of God. So there it is. So God tells us he created us. Not only that, and again, I'm just going to tell you because there's so much going on in our culture. And so I, I'm, I think the thing that I owe you as a pastor, we owe the community as a church, is, is clarity. Like, what do we believe? And so when I come here and the Bible says God created male and female, he created them, then that means God created gender and he said it was good and it is his creative order and we as a church are clear about that. We don't think there's ambiguity here. God made men and women, male and female. He blessed it, it is good, it is beautiful. We celebrate that as a church. We celebrate that. But not only does God create, we see in Genesis, not only a God who creates, but here's good news, he also communicates. We see in Genesis, the living God who communicates, which is astounding that the living God actually wants anything to do with us. He's finite or he's infinite. We're finite. Like he had to come to us to talk to us. He's the one having to come to the garden. There wasn't a big ladder that Adam climbed up every day. He had to, he had to communicate with Adam. He came for us. There is mysterious how we're even saved, but I can, I can tell you this, you didn't do it. That's all I know is that you and I didn't do it. God did. God pursued us. God came for us and he came for Adam. He's the one communicating with us, which means he wanted to communicate with us. God doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. He wanted to communicate with you. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've been to several 
like professional sports games. A few years ago, I, got, I loved Drew Brees, and I was always a Saints fan. I spent my childhood uh, you know, wearing that paper bag. You know what I mean? If you know what I'm talking about, it's the Who Dat fans, Saints fans. The 80s were rough. Then came Sean Payton and Drew Brees to town. And suddenly we started winning and become one of the best teams ever. One of the best offenses, arguably the best offense ever. And so I got to go to a couple of games. And do you know that Drew Brees did not like come up into the stands and talk to me? He didn't from the field go, whoa, Seabell. How you doing, man? He talked to other people. I saw it. He was talking to people on the sidelines, waving at people in the stands. Not me, did not acknowledge me one time. You want to know why? Because unfortunately, and, and I think it's a huge loss to him personally. <laughs> I am not on his radar. I am not on Drew Brees' radar. He's never called up and said, bro, you got some tips for me? Nothing. Um, but this is even more astounding. But you are absolutely on God's radar. You are on his radar. Like, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him, like really know him. So he gave you his word for accuracy. He reveals himself to you so there's no confusion and ambiguity and he doesn't have people just making it up. He didn't tell Moses, hey, go make up a cool story for everyone. No, he said, Moses, this is who you tell them I am. I'm gonna be real clear. I'm the God who reveals myself and I communicate with my people. And look what we see in Genesis. Genesis 1:28. God blessed them, male and female. And, and here's the astounding line, you ready? And God said to them, that's astounding that an infinite God would even care to speak to us. But he does, and he still does. In fact, we could argue that he speaks more clearly today to his people than he ever has because we have this thing called the Bible. This is unbelievable clarity. We know things Adam and Eve didn't know. We've seen the completion of the work of Christ. We see what they had foreshadowed for them when God covered them with animal skins. We saw what he was doing with all that. Abraham, Isaac, all of these great men we read about, they did not know clearly what we now know with clarity. We are the most blessed of people that God still communicates with us with great clarity in his word. I just think we don't appreciate it enough. God communicates. Not only that, though, he said to them commands. He told them to do things, but God also commands. He doesn't just communicate. God, write it down, commands. When he said to them, he communicated in an authoritative way. So the one thing Adam figured out real fast, God made, there's, this, there's a God who made everything. And now, whoa, this God communicates with me. And this God is in charge. He's talking to me like a boss. You know what I mean? Like he showed up, there's a, there's a sheriff in Eden. He's in charge. God makes commands, not suggestions. Hey, Adam, if you don't mind, take care of the place. No, no, he says, this is what you're gonna do. And what you'll find about God's commands, we see it right here, is you will find that his commands include permissive or positive commands. Here's what you can do, go do. And then there are what we would call restrictive commands. Here's what you must not do. Like any good father, he has positives and negatives going on here. So look what it says. In Genesis 2.16, and the, and the Lord God, what's the word? Did he suggest? Now, we live in a world where we as modern Christians often treat God like the great suggester rather than the commander, right? 
I know you said this about sexuality, God. Thank you for the suggestion. And then we go do what we want to do. And it's really, it'd be really good for the modern church to come back to our knees before a holy God and say to him, what you say, we will do. What you command, we will obey. Because he commands. The Lord God commanded the man saying, look here, first it's positive. You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Positive. But... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. That's a command. And there's consequences. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There's positives and negatives. Watch this now. Mature Christians and Adam and Eve weren't there yet. Because they saw, they bought the bait from Satan that God's restrictive command was actually bad. But mature believers learned that his no's are just as good as his yeses. Right? You begin to know when he says no, just trust him. You don't want to do that. Just His no's are just as good as his yeses because his no's are for your good, just like his yeses are for your good. And as we mature, we got to wrap ourselves around that. But we, too, many, too many times we as Christians, we act immature in our faith. We act like little kids, you know? Like it's cute when a three-year-old just wants like, you know, can I have Kool-Aid and, and gummy worms for breakfast and Oreos? Like, no, you can't have that all the time. They get mad and stomp around the kitchen. And as adults, we kind of laugh. We're like, <laughs> you little sinners. You know what I mean? Sin nature coming out. Because you, we know. And they think us telling them, no, you can't have that for breakfast. You can't eat that all the time. You're not going to have any teeth one day. You're going to be malnourished. But they're all mad. And we understand that it's just, it's just the place they're in. They don't understand that we're actually doing this for their good. That's cute at three years old. But a 25-year-old still acting like that's weird. And we all know it, right? You start going, dude, it's time to grow up. It's time to stop acting like a baby, right? Well, as Christians, we do the same thing. We kick our heels at the living God. God, why are you so restrictive? And, and in fact, there's a big movement to go, you know what? We've, been, we've misread God's word. What we'll do is we'll, we'll take the things we like. That's awesome. But the things we don't like about this, we'll just say, well, now, you can't really say the Bible is dependable. I mean, come on now. It's an old book, and there's a lot going on there. And, and it's funny. I've never seen anyone twist scripture unless they're twisting it to their own direction. It's the only time I ever see it twisted. Never see it in another way. I've never seen anyone go, you know, I've been reading the word and I don't think we go far enough on this thing. No, I never hear that. <laughs> what I hear is, you know, there's another interpretation of this in so many different ways. God makes commands and he means them and they're good and positive. You can do these things. And then sometimes they're restrictive. And David, King David said of God's word, both his yeses and his noes, he got to the point where he was mature enough. And by the way, he had made enough mistakes and caught the consequences of it. He one day realized, you know what? When God told me not to do stuff, I should have listened. When God said, do not commit adultery, David's like, that probably would have been a good idea since it's ruining my kingdom for real. So David, one day he's talking about it. And you gotta understand the ancient world, they didn't have Snickers and Poor people, no bluebell ice cream. What, how did they live? But what they had, dessert in, the, in, in that world, was honey. Honey was dessert. At the end of a great meal, they had the creme brulee of, of honey. And David, one day, he said, God's commands are like honey to my lips. I've learned, I've matured enough to know that the best thing I can get in my life and obey and follow is the commands of God.
both his yeses and his noes. So in Genesis, we see a God who commands. But here's why we trust his commands. The next one is because God cares. Like, he cares about us. He actually loves us, has affection for us. The Bible says he delights in us. He delights in his creatures, his creation, his, his humans, and loves you. And therefore, he cares for us. And I could have shown you many verses in Genesis that show his care. My favorite one, I just find it astounding. I find it so affectionate the way it is revealed in Genesis 2.18. God is looking at Adam right before he creates Eve. And the Lord God said, when we say God, who are we talking about? Father, Son, Spirit. And God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And I think that's one of the most affectionate, loving. Can you believe that an infinite God would care, just even care, that Adam's lonely? So I got good news for you today. Because we are different. Some of you came in here today and you are sick. You've been fighting sickness for years. Some of you have chronic issues. And some days you wonder, does God even care? And I've got good news. Yes, 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 he cares about you. He cares about every little thing in your life. And because he's not limited by time and space, he is not preoccupied with someone else missing out on what you're going through. He can be just as attentive to you as he can be attentive to me, as he can be attentive to the next person. That is how great God is. And yes, he cares about you. He cared about Adam being lonely. Can you imagine Adam's already named all the animals? He's like, elephants have friends. <laughs> Rhinoceros have friends. He's moping around the garden, probably eating cantaloupe. And God loves him, cares for him. Just think, just let that crash over you for a minute. Because this life is hard, man, right? I mean, I know there's good things. There's traces of heaven, but there's a whole lot of hell in this world, right? Let's be honest. It's tough sometimes. There's things like cancer and war and murder and illness and broken relationships. and It's, it's hard sometimes. And we need, we need the reminder that we have a God who creates, commands, communicates, and also cares for us. He cares. And that's really good news. And out of his care, because I want you to see how these flow, right? The God who created then communicated. The God who communicates his communication is commanding both yes and no. But his commands are good for us because he cares for us. And his care for us leads to the ultimate thing he does for us. Our God, who we see in Genesis, I didn't have to jump to Matthew, because you may be thinking, well, for this next one, you'd have to jump to the New Testament, because there's that old adage, that old false belief that God was in a bad mood in the Old Testament, and he got in a good mood when Jesus showed up. And that's unbiblical. God does not change. He does not change. He's immutable. We are all in trouble if God gets moody. You understand that? Like, you could catch me on a bad day. You may catch me on a bad day and you're like, you know what? I don't like Pastor Chris because I'm up and down, just like you are, right? Don't judge me. I see some of y'all looking at me like, you are too, up and down, humans. God's not. He's immutable. He does not change, okay? And so I didn't have to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find God on a good day for this next one. No, it's right there in the very beginning like it always has been. God covers us. He covers us. 
He's the God who cares, and out of his care for us, he does the ultimate thing. He covers us, and we needed to be covered. And let me make this real clear. There's not a person in this room who can cover yourself. You are not good enough. You're not great enough. You've not done enough good things, and if you lived a million lifetimes, you would never scratch the surface of being good enough to spend eternity with God. Never. The level's too high. So we're all naked in our sin and needing to be covered. Adam and Eve, as the song said, we've got a lot of it in us. And God does cover for us. In fact, Adam and Eve sinned against God and they tried to cover themselves and they did it the wrong way right out of the gate. Tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. God said, that will not work because there's this principle built into God's creation, his order of things, and it's, it's there for us in the Bible. It says, there is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. So there has to be a substitute. We call it substitutionary atonement, another piece of clarity as a church of what we believe. No one goes to heaven without a substitute. And that started in the garden. So God looks at Adam and Eve and says, you cannot cover yourselves. That doesn't work. I have to cover you, and I will. And so the first two deaths that happen in creation is when God takes two animal lives, and he takes their skins, and he covers Adam and Eve, showing two things. Number one, blood must be shed for the covering of sin, and we can't cover our own sin. Someone else had to cover it. And that is foreshadowing what will happen on Calvary when the very son of God, second member of the Trinity, now with a human body, human nature, will be crucified and his life will be sacrificed and he will substitute himself and his blood will be shed so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. There is no other way. Listen, as C.S. Lewis depicted the lion saying to the little girl by the stream when she says, maybe I need to go find another stream and the lion says, there is no other stream. There is no other way. There is no other answer. It's only Jesus. And this morning, I know my audience. I know at every campus, we're here in the deep south, the Bible belt buckled south. We're good folks. We have rebelled against the living God. We are not good folks. We are broken sinners like Adam and Eve, and we need to be covered. And here's the good news. We have a God who wants to cover us. He doesn't will that anyone would perish. He will gladly cover you. So come to him today. Lay your life at his feet. See, God, in Genesis 3.21, covered them. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. I love it. God made. No one else made it. God made it for Adam and Eve. And he covers us. And today, in just a moment, we're going to take the Lord's Supper in a few minutes. And we are going to depict that what God has done for us. So how do we respond to this living God we find in Genesis? Well, you need to know that we were created to know him, obviously, to enjoy him and to make him known, represent him in this world to others. And Jesus summed it all up for us. In Mark 12, 30, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. We're to love the living God years ago, I heard R.C. Sproul, one of my, one of my theological heroes, um, a brilliant man. He died a few years ago, but before he died, he had one more Q&A session he did in this panel 
where the crowd could ask questions. And they asked him a question and he answered it. And I want you to hear what he said. So they were talking about this whole issue of sin in the Garden of Eden. And someone asked this question, Dr. Sproul, since God is slow to anger and he's patient, why when man first sinned in the garden was his wrath and punishment so severe? And R.C. Sproul grabs the mic. He had tubes in his nose at this point because he had a lung disease. You can hear him take a breath, grabs that mic, and here was his answer. R.C. Sproul said, severe? Severe? This creature, Adam, who came from the dirt, defied the everlasting holy God. God had said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. But instead of dying physically, Thanatos, on that day, he actually lived another day and he was clothed in his nakedness by pure grace. And yet the consequences of the curse did apply for quite some time. But the greatest part of the curse would come upon the one who seduced Adam. His head would be crushed by the seed of the woman. So too severe? He says, what's wrong with you people? He said, the problem with the modern church is we don't know who God is and therefore we don't know who we are. See, I think what Genesis answers for us is two important questions. Genesis, yes, is about Adam and Eve and snakes and gardens, but it is mostly, most importantly, about God. And it tells us who he is. And folks, the only way you'll ever know who you are is to know who he he is. So now we'll celebrate who he is and what he's done in a very powerful way. Jesus, thank you for your word and your grace today. Help us to follow you in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.